This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. You never know what you're going to see when you're fly fishing. Nick Lyons tells this story in his book Spring Creek. A friend fishing from a float tube was once blown across an arm of Hebgen Lake by a heavy wind. He ended up in a tangle of brush on the opposite shore and was contemplating the long walk back around the arm in flippers or bare feet when he saw a helicopter descending in the nearby field. He began to call to them but then noticed that they were depositing something from a scrotum-like net lovely image, uh, beneath the plane. It was only a rogue grizzly, and my friend was persuaded to hide in the brush for an hour or so until the wind died down and then head back across the lake. Can you imagine that, Dave? Oh, my, that's great. That is crazy. Well, today uh, we're going to talk about strange sightings while fly fishing. Now, you can't guarantee that this podcast is going to make you a better fly fisher. Or but, maybe not even help you enjoy the sport more. No, that's right. <laughs> but maybe they're a reminder, number one, to stay safe. And, and number two, to remember that you never know what interesting things you're going to see uh, when fly fishing. And that can be very helpful on one of those slow days, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I remember we had a great day one time. Uh, I think it was on 16 Mile. Uh, but... Uh, uh, you saw something that was kind of unnerving. It was. We had just started the day, and there was three of us, so we split up. Uh, I think you went upstream, and then our mm-hmm. friend Dave and I went downstream. And I just switched to nymphs, and I just wasn't catching anything. It was still early in the day, maybe 30 minutes in. And I came up to this run, and there were there was a traco hatch going on. And I remember thinking, I'm not fishing this hatch. I'm just I'm going to fish this nymph. And as I walked up to the up to the creek, all of a sudden, out of the brush exploded this duck, full-grown duck, and it it was quacking, and I tell you what, I thought I, I thought I would have a heart attack. I thought my throat was in my, my no, my heart was in my throat, uh, and I was just, my heart was beating. I thought, holy cow. So I come up to the run, so I, that just happened, so I walked, and I was right by the brush when it happened, so I, I just walked the next step or two right to the edge of the river, and I began to crouch down, and all of a sudden, I heard some rustling in the back of my, in back of me, and there was a mink that had a baby duck by the scruff of its neck, and the duck was flapping and the mink was backing up. So the mink was looking at me, backing into the brush. At this point, this mink was only, I'm thinking, five feet away. I mean, I could have touched it with my fly rod. So I was fumbling trying to get my iPhone out of my my waders because we had worn waders that day because it was so hot. We didn't want to get bit by a rattlesnake. And, And so... I remember fumbling for my my iPhone. I finally did get a couple pictures, but it just wasn't that good. It kept backing up, and I kept moving closer trying to get a picture with my iPhone. That thing would not let go of that baby duck. Man, it wow. was so fierce, and wow. and it just backed up into the brush until I didn't see it anymore. And it was such an interesting moment because I realized I had scared the mother duck out of the nest. 
And in that split second between the mother duck flapping and leaving the nest, and the few seconds when I saw the mink with the little duck in its mouth, it had captured that duck and and hit that nest and got that duck. I mean, it had to be only, oh my gosh, 30 seconds. So I wondered, was the mink actually waiting to try to get that duck from the neck before the mother got out? But I ruined uh, that mother's day. Man. So it was a... It was an incredible, exciting experience. Wow. I saw another mink that day, about two or three hours later. Really? And um, it was a, it was a different mink. It was probably a mile up the river. But that that initial uh, sighting of that mink was one of the strangest things mm. I've ever experienced. I was so close to it. I don't know that I've ever been that close to a mink. Well, Man. I don't even know how many minks I've seen. I don't in know the that wild. I've seen any. I don't yeah. think I've seen any. It was just wow. bizarre. No, maybe one. Maybe one, but that's it. Yeah, it was bizarre. Well, nature's harsh, isn't it? Nature is harsh. Yeah. It sure is. So, yeah, you never know what you're going to see. Kind of in that in that category of, of uh, you know, things that are getting eaten, things that are getting attacked. Wow. Well, one of the strangest sights that I've ever seen, Dave, was when I was fishing a, a little stream in Rocky Mountain National Park. I was in high school. It was... Uh, it was a stream coming out of what's called Hallowell Park. There's a there's kind of a hairpin turn. I mean, it's like a you almost make a U-turn to go up. You know, you're, you're heading up a mountain. It's like a switchback, but it's paved road. And there's a stream that comes down out of this little meadow or park, as they call it. And it ran for maybe half a mile. And it, it kind of came down to a ranger cabin, and I don't know how, but my brother and I one time, well, we saw this really nice pool, and we got out and fished it, and oh my goodness, we did really well. So we would go, and I think sometimes my parents would just drop us off, or maybe we, I guess we parked down near the ranger cabin, but the one time we're, so we're walking up this thing, and of course it's right below the main road, but from the main road it was pretty thick brush, and and, and it's up a bank, you know, maybe 10 feet or so. So we're fishing along, and we fished up, get to the end of it. I mean, it, it takes like a half hour to fish the whole thing, and then we'd always fish it back down. So we fished up. We're coming back down, and this is about 15 minutes later, we kind of round this little bend, and here is a car. What? Down in the, the creek, nose down, right where we had been oh fishing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and and there were a couple rescue workers there. We go, what happened? And they said, oh, well, you know, an older gentleman, I don't know if he fell asleep at the wheel or, or he just passed out or something. And I, they said, he's going to be okay. But I thought, my goodness, you know, 20 minutes earlier, we, we, we were right at that spot. That car Holy would have... Uh, was he still in the car? Us. when they? No, they had just taken him away with a, an ambulance. I was surprised we didn't hear that, but it's it's thick enough. And, you know, again, it's it's down about 10 feet maybe from the highway down this, this ravine. But wow. here's a car right down in the... Wow, and you had stream. just fished that, not... Yeah, oh I mean, it, it had to have happened, you know, within this 20-minute window from wow. the time that we left it and came back. That's an so, amazing, yeah, strange yeah. sighting We're, while you're fly oh, fishing. Oh, man, no kidding. You just don't <laughs> expect to see that. What wow. else, Dave? Uh, other other things, strange things that you've seen while fly fishing? I think this was last fall when we went to fish Hebgen Lake, but we were driving from Four Corners, just west of Bozeman down or up 191 past yeah. Big Sky towards 
uh, West Yellowstone, and it was dark in the morning. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and as we were going towards, we were going to fish, uh, fish Hebgen Lake, and we were probably halfway down 191. Yeah. And we passed Fan Creek right. where we had fished before. And I look to the right, and I'm thinking, is, is that a fire? And the tree seemed to be glowing, and I'm thinking, and I remember yeah. mentioning it to you. Yeah. We thought, no, mm-hmm. no, I had can't be can't be right. And we kept driving a little bit, <laughs> and there was literally about a mile later, there was a full tree that was up in flames. Yeah, and then yeah. it started to get light, and you realize there's this, there had been a, a what looked like to be a fog, but it was actually the smoke from the fire. Yeah. It was the strangest. Oh. It was surreal. Yeah, it, it was. It really was surreal. Yeah, and then remember on the way back, uh, it, it had flared up it again. It had flared up. Yep. In fact, the fire was right against the road, and, there, and the firefighters mm-hmm. were right yeah. there as well. I remember fishing the Yellowstone River in Paradise Valley where my folks lived in, in 88, 1988, uh, during that summer when there were a lot of forest fires. It was just eerie because... You know, you'd be out there in early afternoon, and it's it's just like this blood red sun, and and you can't yeah. see that far. It's Very a, apocalyptic. It really is, and and I never did this, but I I saw pictures of people fishing in the park. You know, like Gibbon River, which is kind of more of a stream, and and the you know there, there's a fire on you know just a few yards from where they are, and I think whoa, that's uh, that's a little too close. Just a little too yeah. close. I think. Last fall, we were talking about the forest fire on the right-hand side of the road. Was that not? Did we almost hit a moose or an elk going down? Oh there yeah, too? an elk. Yeah, remember I was driving and one jumped right out of the oh, barrel yeah. pit, and oh, uh, was able to to stop and slow down. That's yeah. yeah, that's another thing. Well, I don't know what it is with me in cars, but I have another car story. So. Yeah, my parents, as you know, lived right on within sight of the Yellowstone River. They were probably 150 yards from the the, the river in Paradise Valley, right near the Mill Creek uh, access, the Mill Creek Road. And uh, one day I took my fly rod down to the river. In fact, I think it was a holiday. I think it was July 4th, and the water was still a little bit high. And I walked down. And I'll never forget this. Here is this car what? bobbing down the river. Another car? A car. And, I mean, that kind of freaked me out because I'm thinking, man, is there anybody in there? And, you know, I'm thinking, should I run out and uh, or try to swim out? It's like, no. Yeah. I, I, and save the yeah, car? And, and yeah. drown. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I can't. So ran back, called, uh, called the sheriff's department. They said, oh, yeah, we've already got notified. Uh, apparently somebody had... At, at one of the access sites, it was actually by a bridge, and they it, it was parked on a steep incline, and I don't know if they didn't get it in gear or what, but the thing rolled down into the river. Holy and, cow. And it was a nice car. <laughs> so so I, I've i never seen a, a speedboat on the Yellowstone because it's just, well, it's not legal, and it's just not the kind of river you could do that, but... Uh, they had a rescue boat that came up, and I don't know, somehow they, they they got it maybe pulled over to a side, got it hauled out with a wrecker, but a car oh, floating boy. down the Yellowstone <laughs> down River. Down the Yellowstone. Wow, that's bizarre. Well, I've got two uh, other stories. One is when I was fishing in the scapegoat wilderness where we used to fish 
right near Elk Creek. And I think I was actually, it was up in the National Forest. So Elk Creek comes out of the National Forest there. And we used to camp there. Yeah. And I remember one morning, or it was maybe in the afternoon, we heard this helicopter. And I think it was after college and you weren't there. I was with, I think, a friend named Dean okay. that I had taken yeah. from North Dakota. And we uh, were camped there and then would fish during the day, fish in the lower sections of Elk Creek. But heard this helicopter, and look up. It's got a big grizzly bear in a net. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> a little bit like Nick Lyon's yeah, story really. at the beginning of the Man. episode, right? And I'm thinking, oh, so, you know, we've been camped out here for the last two or three days. <laughs> Man. And this grizz has been a problem bear, apparently. Wow. <laughs> I remember, I don't know if it was that trip. You know how these things all merge yeah. together in mm-hmm. your mind. Yep. But one night, we were... Uh, uh, it was probably midnight, and I woke up. So we're camped in the Scapegoat Wilderness. In the, well, it's actually in the National Forest. Yeah, right. Think, just isn't outside that, that. Yeah, yep. just outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a few miles from the trailhead. And and all of a sudden, I, I awake, and I hear this. Oh, no. <laughs> and I am, I, 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 I have no words for the fear that was coursing through my body man and i i think i had taken my dad's 3030 with me (laughs) so i don't think i had one in the chamber (laughs) but i definitely had three or four in the magazine right and and eventually it went away and i to this day i have no idea whether it was what it was I'm Man. assuming it was a bear. Huh. Was this before before you saw the the bear? Then yeah, it was before out? I so saw it could the have bear. Been that yeah. wow. Although, as I'm telling the story, I can't remember if it was that time yeah. or maybe it was the following summer when I went back again. You know how these things just oh, conflate yeah, and, and yep. distort. Yep. But I just the fear was unbelievable. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was un- it's just crazy. So the other story about strange sightings is I just recently. A couple of weeks ago, I was in North Dakota with my mom and dad, and my brother came out with one of his sons, and we decided to do a a, a day trip and a guided trip on Lake uh, Sacagawea, or mm. in North Dakota we call it Lake Sacagawea. Sacagawea, yeah. But it's uh, it's that big lake. It's about 177 miles long. Wow. And so it's the Missouri River that's been dammed up at the mm-hmm. Garrison Dam, okay. and so it's this huge lake. And so there's a lot of water sports, a lot of fishing. The walleye fishing is unbelievable. So we were there doing some walleye fishing, caught just tons of walleye. Fun. But when you're out on the river, it's weird because it's oil country. If you know anything Uh, about North Dakota in the last 15, 20 years, uh, all the exploration in the Bakken area and the fracking. And so there's oil pumps that are pumping the oil, oil rigs everywhere. So you're in the middle of the lake, but there's also what they call these natural gas flares. Because there's so much natural gas, they just release this natural, ga- natural gas into the air, and it's, it's, it's lit up. So they call really? these natural wow. gas flaring. They call it flaring. And so you're looking, as you're in the middle of the lake, and you're looking to the banks, and, you, and it's, it's just this massive, massive landscape. Mm. So on all the ridges, you're seeing these gas flares that are basically flames. Wow. And it, it's it, back to the word apocalyptic. It looks apocalyptic. Now, Man. we were there during the day. I can't imagine what it's like 
at the in oh, the wow. evening or yeah. in the black of night, oh, right? Man. So there's just these flares that are coming. It reminded me of the Lord of the Rings, Mordor. Oh, yeah. You know that <laughs> that fire that's burning. That's what it reminded that's me of. Great. It's the strangest thing. So oh, man. it's not so much strange things while fly fishing. It's strange things while walleye fishing. Oh wow. Well, I have one more, and um, this kind of falls into the category of a hatch. I know I've talked about it before, but I'll never forget the first time I saw it. I was fly fishing along the Madison River, and it was it was later than I like to fish. You know, probably in in maybe late June, maybe it was early July, and I was out in the river with some friends, and we had taken rifles along just to to do some you know some trap. You just shoot clay pigeons, and um, anyway, I took my fly rod along, and so I went down to the river, and I'm I'm fishing, and then all of a sudden there was a big hatch. Well, it was what I call the inner tube hatch. Uh, there, there's a stretch of the Madison from about uh, Warm Springs where we often stop to go up into the Bear Trap, from uh, from there to Black's Ford, where sometimes during the hot summer day you'll get dozens, maybe. Maybe it'd even be accurate to say hundreds of people who float down that in their inner tubes, and some of them even have coolers floating along with, with Budweiser. them. Budweiser, yeah, <laughs> in the and coolers. A, and a lot of them are, yeah, and a lot of them are oblivious to the fact that there's rattlesnakes along the bank. But uh, kind of kills your motivation to fly fish. Yeah, it really does. It's like uh, I don't think I'm so. going home. Yeah, that's yeah right. that is strange. Yeah. That has got to be really oh, strange. Man. Here you are in this pristine country. Oh. And then you're overwhelmed by the inner tube hatch. I know. Well, it's a little bit like in Yellowstone where we, uh, you know, we fished the Gardner River uh, just down river from where we did really well. Um, you know, a couple times we did really well. Uh, you go down another quarter of a mile and it's where a lot of people will come up and, and soak in one of the hot tubs right along the... You Is know, it the, hot the, springs the, or hot tub? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's more of a hot. It's, yeah, I said hot tub. <laughs> Forget that. Yellowstone no. put some nice. Yeah, uh... yeah. yeah, the park service put a hot tub there. No, they would not do that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a hot springs that that flows in, and and so right there must the be some deep pools that they can a, sit a in. Deep pool. Yeah. No, that's funny. In fact, that reminds me of something else. I mean, the park service would never put a hot tub there. I remember reading a number of years ago, and I'm really digressing now, but. Uh, I, I read about a, uh, a park ranger who, he was just kind of a character. And so one time he, he saw this big wheel valve, you know, he saw it in some field. So he picked it up, put it in his truck. And as a stunt, he and his buddy, another ranger, uh, took it out not far from Old Faithful and they, and they set it up. And they this is back in the day when Old Faithful was more predictable. So about the time they knew when Old Faithful was going to go off, so they came out, you know, this great big wheel valve. So there's the two of them, and one guy goes, all right, Bob, let's open it up. You know, so they're <laughs> they're whipping this wheel valve around, and, and then Old Faithful shoots oh, out. Oh, that's great. And if I remember right, because it was in an article somewhere, they, they both lost their jobs after that. Yeah. But no, I you know, so if you're fishing on the Gardner River, you can come around the bend, and here's a bunch of people who are, uh, you know, kind of hot tubbing it. In fact, we had some longtime friends. You remember Ron, Ron and Sue, oh yeah, uh, from Helena. That I when we got home, I saw 
on their uh, Facebook that they were up there like a day before, a day after, in that very hot, <laughs> hot pool. Wouldn't that have been a shock? Not oh, only, hi, Ron. You, you, yeah, you <laughs> hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? <laughs> Funny meeting you. Yeah, oh, exactly. Man. Oh, that's great. Good night. So, well, I, I guess the whole lesson is that there's really no lesson. Exactly. <laughs> there's really no point to this, except. You know, hey, these strange sights can make your trip to the river either interesting or dangerous. So keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes peeled. You never know what you're going to see next. Right? That's right. That's right. Well, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a great question raised by Daniel in reply to our podcast on what we'd tell our 20-year-old fly fishing selves. Uh, you remember, Dave, we said we'd tell ourselves to get more instruction early on, to fish fall and spring as well as summer, to learn to fish nymphs, to study entomology or bugs, to stop false casting so much, things like that. Well, well this is Daniel's comment. He said, recently I've met several people who have just retired and want to, or they are, taking up fly fishing. Would you tell them anything different than you'd tell your 20-year-old selves? Man, that's an interesting question, isn't wow. it? That is you, a really good yeah, question. Yeah, so what would you tell somebody who's retired? So they're, you know, they're a bit later to the game, a bit older. Uh, would you tell them anything different than you tell your 20-year-old selves? I don't know. I think one thing is the older you get, and we were talking about this at lunch, the harder it is, and maybe it's just a mindset to do something new. So, for example, yeah. mm -hmm. I have a friend who you know, lost his job and really needs to to just start over and do something completely different, but is struggling to do that, like learn a new skill yeah. or, and it's harder than it looks, right? Mm -hmm. No yeah. matter what the age, mm -hmm. you know, it's very, 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 very difficult. But I think with, you get to a certain age and you probably think, this is really hard. It shouldn't be this hard, or it's because I'm older. And the question, yeah. and the answer is no, it's hard. Right. I don't care if you're 20 years old, 20 years old, yeah. or if you're, you know, or if you're older. It's just it takes a while to learn the craft. So maybe, and this is what came to my mind that and that your comment makes us even more urgent. I think I would say get up to speed as quickly as you can. So that means hire a guide, you know, and or take casting lessons. I, I mean, I'd say that to somebody who's 20, but yeah, you have more time to dabble and to, to learn things as you go. But, wow, if you're taking fly fishing up, say, in your retirement years, hopefully you have the the income that you can you can hire a guide for a couple of days or you yeah. can take some casting lessons. I mean, that's you, you want to do that because we've, we've talked about it before. There's sort of a critical uh, mass of information that you, you just have to learn. And the sooner you learn that, the more enjoyment you'll have and... So yeah, that would be one thing. I, I guess too. I would say don't, uh, um, yeah, don't be discouraged by, you know, getting, you know, to fly fishing that late in the game. There's still things that you can do, places you can fly fish and and really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. You know, I mean, when you're 20, you have you know 40 to 60, 70 years left arguably let's say you live till 80 you have another 40 you know another 60 yeah. years so i think your point i just want to re uh, just kind of put a, a finer point on it but this idea of getting up to speed quickly right you don't have 
60 more years no, you to don't. fly fish, yeah. right? So you're right. Getting up to speed, I think that's probably a, a really good point is just do what's necessary to learn it. And yes, it's hard. Yeah. And yes, it's a it's a challenge. But you know what? All good things require that learning curve and you got to get past yeah. it. So yep, maybe it's encouragement. Yeah, uh, I know. It, and it, I, it, we've heard of stories of people who didn't start fishing until... You know, later in their lives. Yeah, and they're they... a lot better than we are. So yeah, what happened? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, hey, one final segment today's podcast. It's Hook Set. We're going to set the proverbial hook, wrap things up by sharing a quote. And our quote today comes from Larry Tullis. He was a Utah fly fishing guide. He's talking about the importance of slack line when you're nymphing so that you don't get drag. And, of course, you accomplish that by mending. But this is what Larry says. Most people cast, mend once, and have one big S-curve, which helps a little bit, but they're still dragging. If you can get a bunch of those little S-curves in your line, that's the key because the little S-curves allow the current to act on the line in a variety of ways and still drift the nymph, or dry fly, naturally. That is great. I thought that was really, that was really good. So, in other words, instead of one big mend, you, you're doing a series of small men's. Now, Dave, how do you get those little S-curves that he's talking about? So, uh, yeah, well, I think his point is you got to keep mending as the, as yeah. the nymph is mm-hmm. going down the river or the dry right. flies. But going mini down. men's, right? Yeah, mini men's, mini yeah, men's not, right. Not great big men's. Not great yeah. big, yeah, exactly. So I think you need to, you have the what's called the wiggle cast or the bounce cast. You keep pulling line out and in a sense you're, the line is continuing to go. You're feeding yeah. line with your mm-hmm. left hand yeah. if you're right-handed, and you keep pulling line out and making these small little mends. Yeah, I think the key is is to lift the tip of your rod up. Yes, and mm-hmm. lifting that line off the water as you're making and as you're feeding out line. Yeah, yep, really is. It, it really is something that's almost impossible to describe. What you need is a guide or somebody who's really good to help mm-hmm. you with it. Yeah. But you're absolutely, he's absolutely right. Yeah. It's not just one big S-curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really a series of smaller men's. Yeah. That's so great. that's something good to end on because, uh, quite frankly, the beginning of the podcast was fun, but probably not a lot of uh, uh, things that you can take away. Not a lot of takeaways. strange sites. But, uh, yeah, this is this is good. This is a site you want to see is... Uh, uh, those little S curves that that you know that you uh, that you create by continual mini mending, and if you do that, yeah, you got a lot better chance yeah, that lot better your drift. fly won't drag. Yep, yeah, for sure. That's right. Well, that's all for today. Hey, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson, and I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are two guys in a river for the love of fly fishing.